Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Pause for Effect. As always, I'm your host, Sawyer AS. Today, my guest is Tess Talbot. Tess is a graduate of Wright State University. She is a very successful regional theater actress here in the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky area. She's appeared at all four of the major houses in this city, and she's begun to pursue film, as you'll hear from the interview a little bit accidentally. She appeared alongside Zac Efron in the film about Ted Bundy that he was in, and she's also been in a Nicolas Cage film, and she appears in an episode of Wildfire, which is available to stream on Amazon Prime through Prime Video. So, without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Tess. When it's not winter, what do you do with your Walmart scarf? <laughs> because for people who don't know, that's how, how that was our first actual conversation was you have this scarf from Walmart that you wear during the winter. I don't remember how it came up, but it was like our first shift working together. Uh-huh. Yeah, a woman, uh, I was sitting at the front of the box office mm-hmm. and I, I had just got that scarf. This is the first year that I possess that scarf. Okay, I thought my it was like a long heirloom. Like, oh no, I do have another Walmart like decorative, like a scarf that's silver and fancy, and I get a mm-hmm. lot of compliments on that too. And that was three dollars at Walmart. Oh wow! Like three dollars. Walmart is banging them out with scarves for me. Um, but that plaid scarf I had just bought, my ten dollars scarf. A woman complimented me on it and was like, yes. "Oh, it looks really nice. It looks like it's really pretty." And I was like, "I got it at Walmart." <laughs> And then I had never like really interacted with you and you just like threw shade at me and I was like, okay, I see how this is going to go. It's gone well. (laughs) It's gone pretty well. The best part was that he had this like very genuine like compliment for you about this scarf and you're like, it's from Walmart. And then just in my head, I very quickly processed the juxtaposition that this lady probably paid at least 50 bucks for her ticket. And so not saying anything negative, but she might not buy her scarves at Walmart. <laughs> not saying anything negative about you or her. It's just that interesting little uh, dissidence between the artist and the attendee of the arts. That is a very valid statement, and um... I bullshitted it right now. Just so, like it did not. Oh. Like I didn't. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's legit. Like. Yeah. I, I... I don't have fancy scarves from fancy places unless someone brings them to me as a gift. That's fair. So, you That's know. I, I, the only scarf that I own, I might have told you this, but the only scarf that I own, I was working at a restaurant and somebody left it there and then never came back for it. And so then I stole it after seven days and washed it like three times. And now I own <laughs> this really nice scarf that's way too expensive for my taste. That's, I guess that's what you got to do. You know? I mean, if it if it ain't broke, don't if fix it. it. Broke, you waited. You waited exactly. for them to come back and get it. So. Yeah, it, and that's that's like the ethical thing to do, from what I've been taught as a person. You know, so, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. So so anyway, the things that we came here to discuss today. <laughs> wait, what do you do with that scarf when it's not winter? Yeah, well, uh, I have currently folded it. I I did a closet purge um, last okay. month, and. Uh, I was like, I need to consolidate, not Marie Kondo, really, because I not what brings a close quarter. I okay. wear a lot of the same things, but I was like, I need to get rid of this stuff that I've saved that I thought mm-hmm. I would wear for auditions that I've never worn. 
costumes that I'm just like, I don't need this stuff. Right. It's a pandemic. Maybe someone needs these clothes when we can go back to the. Maybe you know, someone needs a costume right now. Maybe someone needs this business casual blouse that I actually hate that I'll never wear to an audition. That's fair. So I, I folded the scarves. All mm-hmm. of my scarves had been like shoved into one of those like shoe hanging shoe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hanging things. shoe racks. And I, I folded them and, and the Walmart scarf is padding the bottom, you know, and it's, okay. it's, it's the foundation. Of it's the, the foundation others. of your entire wardrobe is yeah. what that makes it sound like. Yeah, it's chilling. It's clean. Okay. It's nicely folded. So when it becomes cold again, I can take it out and there won't be any wrinkles. Great. That's way smarter because I just lose my winter stuff. And then as soon as it's winter, I go, ah, shit, where, where did I put that? Oh, dude. And I just sort through my closet. That's all I do. <laughs> so you are better at that than I am, which... I just like organization. That's fair. But so is, is organization like something that's always been like, is that like a, a staple of your personality? Would you say, or would you say it's, um, I don't know if it's a staple, my best friend, mm-hmm. we lived together in college and, uh, I like to have things, I, don't, I wouldn't call it like OCD, but everything has its place, you know, like neatly stacked or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Aziza, um, I would know that she had been in my room because she would come and like, turn things catty corner on my desk (laughs) (laughs) or she would like pull my books off the shelf or like just like slightly pull them out of place yeah and she she would do that you know if I was like in class and I came back to my room and I was like Aziz has been in here (laughs) I don't know if it's a staple of my personality but it's a staple of my friendship with her so maybe it counts (laughs) that's fair so as an organized person how do you how do you get into this business because you are let me just run this down for people who aren't aware of you. You are what I would consider a the definition of a successful regional actress. Um, and I don't know if you would consider yourself that, but I consider you that because you've been in, I wrote down at least three different titles from that IMDB page you said you just built. Um, yeah. been, so you were in Inconceivable, which was a Nick Cage film. Is yes. That, okay. And then Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, which was mm-hmm. filmed here in Cincinnati, right? Yeah. And in, in Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky. Yeah. Okay. And then you're in the Amazon series Wildfire, which yes. was also filmed here. Yes. Um, and then on stage, you've done Venus and Fur, Alias Grace, Girl in the Red Corner, Ada and the Engine, Mercury, and so many more titles that I didn't have room to write down on a sticky note. So... How do you, as an organized person, get into this field? Um, I have always known that I was going to be a theater art, an actor. Really? Um, like, I, I have never had any sort of other career ambition. My parents have always been really supportive. Okay. Um, and I'm, I think one of... I think I consider myself a lucky person because mm-hmm. I've never had this career doubt. This has mm-hmm. always been what I was supposed to do. It's what I'm going to do. Um, and that's just the be all end all. Right. Um, I don't know that I would consider myself the most organized person for <laughs> this particular profession simply because as I've said already, I just built this IMDB page. I don't have a website, which is, in the works right um and have really i think built my career in cincinnati which i'm really grateful for um 
And I'm not going to lie. My ego just was like, cool. When you were like, this didn't fit on a sticky note. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm You're doing like, my, my resume is bigger than a sticky note. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, thank you, Cincinnati. Um, because uh, I think it comes down for me to the way that I was able to network mm-hmm. out of school. And um, I mean, yeah, I work, I work hard, uh, right. but I don't have a lot of the necessary things particularly in place right now to be considered like on top of it, I guess, you know, I don't have a website. I'm not, I'm not always looking for content because I find that exhausting, but Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, this is always the profession that I was going to be in. And fortunately it has worked out really well for me so far and we'll (laughs) continue into the future. Yeah. Um, So when did that, when did that spark ignite? Like when, when was that decision in your head? Cause you said you always, you've always known. Mm-hmm. So, cause I know like when mine hit and it was probably later than a lot of people, but when were you like, okay, acting is entertainment industry. That's what I'm doing. Here we go. Um, I don't know that I have a specific aha moment for that. Okay. Um, so dress up always my favorite game right um my me my mom's mother took my sister and i are like part of our christmas gift every year was um a subscription to the children's theater okay um and so we would go to the sunday matinee and then we would go to graders and get ice cream afterwards okay um and i don't know it's just you know never been any sort of I mean I don't want to I like attention I don't know it it just was like it was like I'm an attention whore like uh, I like the applause no I mean I do like I like the work I like the I like the but as a kid it was like this is fun I'm performing this is this feels good Mm -hmm. um but that was always what I was gonna do I don't recall ever having any other choice or really putting much thought into anything else other than how am I going to make money unless I marry a rich man? <laughs> Which, don't <laughs> Which, it, I, I mean, the, I'm young, so right, exactly. maybe, I don't know. I don't really care. But like, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I don't have a aha moment for that. That's always been what I was going to do. And I feel like if I fact checked that with my mother, she'd probably corroborate my story. <laughs> okay. Well, that, I mean, that makes sense though. Just you saying that you had a subscription to the children's theater mm-hmm. and then you would go get ice cream and you'd go with your grandmother. Like that's, yeah. that's the sort of thing that I'm like, oh, you're building that positive association from childhood. Oh yeah. And my parents are always really encouraging. And so I have a twin sister also. Really? Um, yeah, she is. That is terrifying. I cannot imagine two of you. Oh, well, we're, you're lucky then because we're not identical. Um, We're actually very uh, different, but she lives in New York City and she's a print, like a textile designer. You've mentioned Um, her, I didn't know she was your twin. Yeah, she's uh, my twin sister. And, but she was always going to be an artist. Like the two of us have always known. She had the little Fisher Price, like light up drawing desk. Yeah. And my Meemaw would give us all her, um, she had a lot of fancy evening wear because Mm -hmm. my grandfather was a doctor and they went to fancy things um she would give us all her fancy clothes and like tanya and i would be at home like making movies with my dad's like big ass 
VHS camera mm -hmm. and Tanya would draw all the stuff. Like we've, we've, the two of us have never thought about doing anything different. So I don't know if that's like a weird universe thing. That'd be super cool. Yeah. But yeah, we've both always, and our parents have been like, yeah, go do it. Yeah. that That's incredible. Especially because you know that, well, first of all, before I say why that's incredible. And I just had this aha moment of why, like we were able to click in and move. Cause I've got two older sisters who are twins. And so ah. it's one of those things where it's like, you must have that like twin energy that I must <laughs> like synced in or my, like, I just knew cause I've been around so many twins. I don't know. But, um, that's, that's great to hear that you've had like that support in, in your family this whole time. So then I guess my follow-up to all of this is what was your first show? Like what was the first thing you ever did? And if you want to like not count any sort of, pageants or church plays you can or if you want to and they're really important to you like what's the first thing that like you did and you were like this means a lot to me um I am gonna be cliche and throw it back to like my very first memory of doing something because okay. it was at the playhouse really um yeah so uh and because we know each other from there and that's yeah, we... you know the foundation of our friendship thus far which is exactly. great um I kind of like that little full, full circle mm -hmm. serendipity um my parents signed me up for the summer camp okay um and they were doing for the little kids i think i was like maybe five or six mm -hmm. um they were doing adaptations of like children's parables children's stories okay and ours was the peddler and his caps and so i was the peddler mm -hmm. and you then there were I had caps, I had okay. caps to sell, not Walmart scarves, but caps. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and so the parable is basically about, um, sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, and there were various like nuisance animals, like monkeys and squirrels and things that would come and like steal the hats. I was like, Oh, give me back my hats. Mm -hmm. But then it was like, Oh, you know, they look cute in those. I can't really remember <laughs> the ending, but I do remember that we performed it in the Marks theater, like lobby right before you go into the theater where all they take your tickets and all that. Okay. Um, I do remember that. And that was fun. Mm -hmm. And I think Honestly, I think I played the peddler because I had a bowl cut. <laughs> like, and I looked like a little boy. So. I mean, that's totally fair. I, <laughs> or I was brilliant. I don't fucking or know. Or you were oh. the most brilliant child actress ever. <laughs> yeah. You're allowed like to swear, by the way. Yeah, I just saw you oop and I wasn't sure. Oh, I'm, I'm allowed? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. I'm not going to censor you. Yeah, it's not going to shit. Thanks. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're welcome. But, okay, so you were the peddler at yeah. Cincinnati Playhouse in the Park as a child. Mm -hmm. That's So then from that instance, is it you were, now I don't, I'm not from around Cincinnati yeah. area, but I know you went to the School for Creative and Performing Arts. Correct. That is a uh, high school only. Is that correct? Um. So when I was in school there, it was mm -hmm. grades four through 12. Okay. Um, now it is K through 12. Oh, um, really? Because okay. there was a primary school that they called Sheel, and it was usually like kin kindergarten through third grade. And mm -hmm. then you would go, if you wanted to, transition to SEPA. Right. Um, but then they merged the schools together several years ago. Mm -hmm. I can't remember how long it's been, but I was I started in fourth grade. Okay. And then from fourth grade on are you just 
building this resume to get ready for college? How does that work for you? Um, so when you go to SCPA, when I was there from 99 to 2008, mm-hmm. to get into the school as a fourth grader, you audition, air quotes, okay. audition right. um, for every single major. So okay. I knew I wanted to go, my, I, I'm sure my parents, you know, did this on purpose, but like mm-hmm. there was a monologue from Charlotte's Web. So learn the monologue from Charlotte's Web and do it for the drama teachers. And then you go right. to the art room and you show them your portfolio. <laughs> Lol, I did not have one. <laughs> my sister did, but I did not. You're like, uh, here's you my have... sticky note with a drama. Yeah, I was like, I don't like doing this, but here's some stick people that I made. Like, and they're like, okay, great, cool. You're, you're fine. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's like a creative writing prompt. There mm-hmm. was a dance audition, which I totally failed at. Um, we knew that wasn't going to happen. That's fine. Um, you know, instrumental music, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I was a drama major through my entire time at the school. Mm -hmm. Um, I added vocal music for a couple of years. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as like to answer, to actually answer your question about building the resume, um, CPA is full of talented people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm competitive. And so I'm shy. I wanted, I, <laughs> yeah, I know, mind blown, right? Right. Um, I wanted to be the best. Mm-hmm. And I was willing to, I mean, like, not be ruthless about it, but like, because I wanted friends, but right. also, like, there was in my mind, my mindset was always like, there will be nothing in the way to threaten me being like top dog. Mm-hmm. Um, that's terrifying. And just so you say it now. What'd you say? <laughs> I said, that's terrifying. Just watching you say that now you were oh. like, you were like, I'm so serious about this. You I mean, no that's sort of how I feel. I mean, it's not sort of, it is how I feel. That's now. fair. Um, but there's, I want to say that based on like the, the, the teachers, like I, I don't like conflict. I don't like getting in trouble, but Mm -hmm. to, I wanted to be in the high school productions that we would go and see, Mm -hmm. you know, when I was a kid and it was like, okay, Mr. Roth teaches sophomore drama. So by the time I get to Mr. Roth's class, I'm going to be the best. And, uh, yeah, I think it just like really in high school was when it was like, I want these parts. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all these people here auditioning for things because we had to audition for shows. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do well. I joined the drama ensemble, which is still in existence, which is great. But they did an extra five shows a year, mm-hmm. and so it was like, well, if we're doing something that I really want, I'm gonna get it. Right. Like, and I'm gonna get it because I work hard and because I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, that resume was important to me before I went to college. And then I realized mm-hmm. that it doesn't mean shit when you get to college. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, college, oh, like, well, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe the work ethic part was good to build, but like right. nobody gives a shit about the stuff awards you, did in you win in high school. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, those things mean something to me personally, but nobody gives a shit when you get to college. Right. Everybody's yeah. Ground zero and that's the hardest fucking thing to realize honestly mm-hmm. like i i felt that way when i went into college and then i 
we, we've talked about my journey before. This isn't about mm-hmm. me. This is about you. But like those first two years that I was not at a right state, mm-hmm. first show I auditioned for, I didn't get cast and there were barely any males in the department. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Mm-hmm. And so then you are also a right state alum. Yes. And you go into this, pro- what draws you to that program in particular? I feel like my podcast is partially just an advertisement for right states, but it's not uh, well, supposed to be. Let me then let me help you out. Okay, um, You're like I, I wouldn't go anywhere else. I, uh, I, I, the two schools that I really wanted to go mm-hmm. to, I didn't do a lot of like looking around for colleges. Okay, uh, I put all my eggs, I split my eggs in two baskets. Okay, both those baskets fell on the floor and the eggs shattered everywhere. So oh. I didn't get into the two schools that I really wanted to go to. What were they? Uh, I wanted to go to CCM. Okay, that's uh, fair. And I wanted to go to Webster uh, in St. Louis. Interesting. Um, okay. And because there were a couple kids from SCPA who I really, really admired who got mm-hmm. into Webster. And I was like, well, if they got in, like, that must be a good school to go to. Right. Um, so Wright State was a school that my senior drama teacher, Gina all was like, why don't you just check that out? Like, they have a mm-hmm. good program. It's kind of under, you know, they're underrated, but like, you should check it out. So I signed up for a movement workshop. Mm-hmm. And then the auditions were the next day. And so this was like two weeks away from the audition. So I had my dad drive me up to Dayton mm-hmm. and Bruce Cromer was leading a Laban Mm-hmm. movement workshop and Bruce Bummer, who I just have to interject is is the epitome of being a successful regional theater actor and mm-hmm. in multiple regions like yes this. anyway uh so I I you know Bruce is teaching this movement class and I was like I really think this guy is cool mm-hmm. like I would go to school here for that guy to be my professor. Oh, that's... And then we did, yeah, we did another workshop with um, Mary Donahoe, who okay. unfortunately has passed. Right. Um, but she was the Alexander teacher and we were doing this like really intense, like pair up with someone you don't know and like look them in the eye and like tell them, you know. So I ended up mm-hmm. pairing up with this guy uh, who was ended up being in my class. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had this really like intimate conversation um which was wild um but uh what up zach if you ever hear this you're like this is um, how romeo and juliet shit happens it was wild um but then yeah the next day was the audition and i did my audition i think i had a much better package for right state than i had for ccm which like looking back on is ridiculous why did i pick the pieces i picked anyway (laughs) and then i and they i was in the room and they accepted me into the program on the spot oh wow so i was like dope and that's why I went to Wright State. Okay. That's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody has their own journey. That's completely fair. Yeah. Um, you, did you do, you did the BFA acting or was it different then? I did the BFA acting. Okay. So you spend four years there mm-hmm. basically learning to be a professional actor. Mm-hmm. And then as you're coming out of college, well, first, I guess, before we just jump through these four years, like they were nothing because they were obviously formidable and like important to your training Mm -hmm. is there anything that stands out about it that you're like oh i'm so glad that i had that or i wish i had done that differently Mm. right state was really good to me okay um i had 
a lot of success as far as casting is concerned at Wright mm -hmm. State. Um, I know that there are a lot of my classmates who are not as fortunate mm -hmm. and I, I think there were certain parts of the curriculum that were not really necessary um, mm -hmm. to my like final education. Right. However, um, I did, what I did really like about Wright State was that everyone had to take voice lessons, um, that I was given that extra option to take a longer lesson. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, I think I benefited from having the opportunities to be cast as many times as I was. Mm -hmm. Um, and that when we started school, it wasn't a sort of like, to me anyway, it was a direct continuation of where I had left off in my studies in high school. Mm -hmm. So it was really, really good for me. It was like, I never stopped. Um, but the professors weren't like, here, let's spoon feed you this. It was like, let's ask you questions and you have right. to find the answer. And some of it was hard and some of it, you know, was kind of a joke, but like, mm -hmm. I don't think any programs without those problems. Right. Um, and what I also appreciated, you know, I have tried to sort of model my life, not exactly because I can't, he's a man, but like Bruce, you know, Bruce, as my professor, I was like, this man has the kind of career that I want. Right. So basically I'm going to build my reputation and my work ethic up to equal that of Bruce Cromer. Right. And I'm going to go where Bruce Cromer has gone because that's I'm, what I'm going to do. Exactly. So yeah. Um, he, and then the professors that came in when he was on sabbatical, were all working regional actors. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's a valuable part of that program. When I was there, I don't know what it's like anymore, but, um, you know, professors were working, mm -hmm. they were directing, they were performing. Um, and there wasn't so much of this, like, you must go to New York, you must go to LA, you must go, you know, it was like, go make your career um, as you want to make it. Right. So. That's, that's good to hear. And so then actually leads to exactly where I was thinking I'd want to go after that, which <laughs> is, was it always after school, like after you got that bachelor's, were you always going to come back and this was going to be your market or how, what, because because here I have this huge gap of knowledge. Like yeah. what does test right after graduation look like? Yeah. In terms of um, you build your career. So tell me about well, that time. I auditioned for the internship at Ensemble Theater. Okay. Um, and because Bruce had worked there mm -hmm. and did that internship okay. uh, 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. um, and I decided that I wanted to stay in Cincinnati um, for a while. I didn't really, I didn't really have a plan. Like mm -hmm. I didn't want to move to New York because when we went to New York for showcase, I was like, uh. Was it um, the amount of people or the public transit? Um, no, I think it was just like, maybe it was the amount of people because we ended up staying in a place close to Times Square and I loathed it. Mm -hmm. um, my sister lives there now and I like, you know, the neighborhoods or whatever, but mm -hmm. I had like a panic attack during our... <laughs> during our uh showcase yeah oh. my like performance for our like for the talent people yeah not the showcase itself but then they did an extra like casting director mm -hmm. audition and I just remember like tunnel vision happening to me 
standing outside the door listening to my other classmate finish. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I have to go in there and do a good job. And I had like 12 things ready. I was like, I've got all this shit. I feel really good about it. I'm a really mm-hmm. strong actor. Like I know I'm going to do good. And I just went in there and like, I don't even remember it, but I remember thinking, well, this sucks. <laughs> and like being afraid to stop and say like, yeah. I'm sorry, can I have a minute? You know, because mm-hmm. it's like, be perfect out the gate. Right. Anyway, um, I didn't want to go to New York because I was like, this is too, why do I want to have this kind of competition mm-hmm. like in my life right now? I don't have any professional credits. Like, let me go figure out my life. Right. So came back to Cincinnati, did the ensemble internship, um, which was great. And another way that I really think helped me as far as networking was concerned mm-hmm. was that internship is interesting in that you don't really perform. Um, there's a lot of sitting and watching. Right. So watching all of these local people come in, like Annie Fitzpatrick, who is, you know, such an inspiration to me, but like the first show that was slated for that season was Good People and she was Margie. Um, the main character and I was like I'm gonna do plays with her and like you know she lived in Cincinnati and she was working all the time she did a show every year at ensemble theater so I was like Mm -hmm. okay cool I can do this networked with with every actor pretty much that came through to do a show the production team um you know worked we had to run crew so it was like work really hard get them you know not get them to like me but like do well like have a good reputation Mm -hmm. um everyone's easy to get along with unless you're an asshole. So, you know, being willing to like volunteer my time to go in there and do extra stuff for Mm. the production crew, I ended up doing a couple extra strikes um, and like lighting focuses and stuff, which was really great. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, did the touring company for two, more than two years, uh, like two and a half (laughs) years for Cincy Shakes okay um and you know they've got a resident ensemble so it's Mm -hmm. like okay these are people who have made their lives here everyone's doing great shows um working in the box office at the playhouse Mm -hmm. getting to see more theater um and loving that blake is like investing in the local talent not just for me now but like when he (laughs) when he showed up he was like here, there's what, there's lots of really talented people here. Let me like maybe cast some of them. Right. Let's it's, actually put them in the shows that we're doing yeah, here. Yeah. Whoa. What a thought. Yeah. Um, and it really, you know, makes things legitimate, at least me. Um, so yeah, getting rehired by Lynn um, at Ensemble Theater as not an intern was also really gratifying. Mm-hmm. And yeah, trying to, I don't really have... I saw no reason to leave. I thought about moving to Chicago a couple of times. um, Mm -hmm. But every time I would think about doing that, it was like my year would get full, you know, and and that's a great, a great problem to have. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's what my, I spent the last five years working for Cincy Shakes Mm -hmm. um, and other, you know, ensemble theater, um, the no, Right. Be totally remiss if I didn't think about the no because uh, they've really been the place that's been like. Yeah, I was going to say the reason that I knew you before I knew you mm-hmm. was because you are all over the no. Like yeah. it just feels like you are one of the, uh, and I don't know exactly the inner workings of how they 
how they cast whatnot but you're one of the people that i'm like oh she's a go-to no person like that's that's what it feels like from the outside looking in yeah i i'm yeah i'm grateful for that i have had to audition for everything i've (laughs) gotten there which is which is good you know um and i I really owe a lot to them and to Andrew and to Tammy um, Mm -hmm. for giving me so many miraculously marvelous opportunities. Um, And that was just another thing that I was like, I'm going to do this general, you know, audition. Mm -hmm. And Tammy was like, Hey, do you want to do this play? Listen for the light. And I was like, sure. You know, and of course, like, yes, that's a job. Yes. Right. So, so I, I'm very happy to be associated in that way. I, it's mm-hmm. also sort of like a catch-22, right? Because I always worry that people, like audience members get sick of seeing the same actors over and over again because you start to sort of recognize people's habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately enough, I've done enough, so many interesting things in the last mm-hmm. like couple shows, all the shows I've done at The Know, that... I feel like it's an opportunity for me to showcase another facet of myself, my right. skill, instead of coming turning into a trope, if that makes yeah, sense. That absolutely makes sense. So uh, another reason that I'm grateful to them is that they've given me m- a myriad of opportunities mm-hmm. to express that, you know. Right. And I mean, one of those opportunities is actually coming up here in a couple of days. This this episode will be published, I think, the day after this new audio play is that what it is is published? oh yeah uh-huh. it's called fetus and the god mm-hmm. tell me about that what's tell me uh, what you can about that so great okay so um fetus and the god was originally a serial part of the first serials that they ever did at the know um okay. ben dudley is a really really clever playwright mm-hmm. um and it's about um how do I say it? It's a sad, it's, it's really funny. It's sweet. It's sardonic. It's full of puns. Like it's about a fetus, but a fetus before they get born appear to God and they can ask him five questions and then they're born and five Supreme questions and then they get born. And this particular fetus is asked, you know, sort of tweaks God's, you know, nerves a little bit yeah and they end up having a more in-depth experience together um and it's really okay. beautiful like you know about a- appreciating life uh taking time to slow down and admire your own accomplishments self-reflection and it's mm-hmm. really funny um so yeah that's coming out on the 20th okay great that's awesome and you just recorded that because we're in the odd quarantine times yes um and the no has shifted to this project where they're basically doing no on the go. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of like a people pay once and can listen to it or they pay once and they can listen to it unlimited amount of times. Like how do, do you know how that works or you're just in the show? I'm just in the show. Okay, um, great. I should know how that works. Sorry, Tammy, but um, <laughs> I, I should know how that works. Yeah. So I'm assuming that you can purchase it and it's available to stream kind of like mm-hmm. if you rent a movie on Amazon, you can listen to it, you know, up to X amount of times. Right. Um, I don't think it's a one and done thing, but I'm honestly not positive about that because That's... I know they're doing more. Yeah. So it's like, it's not going to be around forever. Right. Um, but yeah, they're doing, I think a really good job, Zach. Robinson is working really, really hard on their digital, mm-hmm. you know, platform to get all this content out. Right. Um, yeah. 
That's okay. And had you done before doing this audio play, had you done any sort of voiceover or other audio work or is this kind of your first soiree into? This is my first soiree into. Sorry, I like using that word. <laughs> no, I loved it. I, okay. I didn't mean for it to come across as sarcastic. I, no, it didn't I, at I all. I just, it. I just um, saw the way that you said it, and I was like, I know that wasn't sarcasm, but I just realized how strange it might be that I used that word. Oh no, I love it. I love okay. it. Sprinkle it about. Um, but for, it's, it's, for it's um, <laughs> it's my first soiree into mm. the digital recording kind of thing. I have been okay. working with um, a voice coach for the last couple of years, her name's Chasley Schweitzer. Mm -hmm. um, and she, and I have been working, she's, we've been working on voiceover stuff for mm -hmm. a while. Um, and so I have like a catalog of things, but that's just for me to put together a demo. Right. Um, I've never done like the Zoom rehearsals or, mm -hmm. you know, recording with Audacity um, was something that was new to me until shortly before that project picked up. Right. So it's interesting. Um, yeah. How do you feel about the shift into all of that right now? Because right now we're all, you know, I don't like to talk too much about it just because it's, it's hard and it can be overwhelming, but also mm -hmm. we're all looking at the way that the industry is trying to adjust right now. Yeah. And how do you feel about making that adjustment as somebody who, I mean, you said since childhood, you've been like, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to mm -hmm. do that thing. I'm going to entertain people in a live setting or like on something that if not live, they can watch over and over again. And this is a very different thing. Like this is a very different realm. How, how are you dealing with that transition? Um, so I think it's a, I think it's a great thing that's happening. Mm -hmm. um, I have no doubt, even though things seem scary, that mm -hmm. eventually we will get back to live performances. Right, and being in. Uh, this is not the way that I would ever choose to conduct my career. I'm doing it out of necessity. Right. Um, and. I've done, I've listened in on several like really remarkable plays on Zoom. Um, I haven't watched any like live stream, anything. Um, okay. It just is not something that I can really bring myself to like care about right okay. now. If that sounds fair, it sounds terrible. It's, but, like, it's also fair though. It's, it's yeah. a complete upheaval of the thing that you've not only committed to do for a living, but also seen as this, you know, I think we're trained as like, this is authentic because it happens in a moment mm -hmm. and to take that moment and put it in a different context in people's homes. Yeah. Feels almost like some sort of weird lie. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's weird because like, okay, so if this is the way things are going to be for a while, mm -hmm. then I'm going to figure it out. And right you know, continue this ridiculous clawing to the top of whatever there needs to be clawed to the top of. Mm -hmm. But um, it's hard to not get distracted because I can turn off my video camera, you know, and like make a pot roast 
while I'm listening to your play. Like, do you know what I mean? So, so it's, um, it's hard for me, harder for me to concentrate. It's harder for me to focus. The, the luxury of things like this is that you can't, you know, if we're making content to be released on the internet, like we can edit it. Right. Um, How do you create something like that to make it, you know, aesthetically pleasing Mm -hmm. when everyone's, you know, across town from each other, you know, there's all these other opportunities for production folks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I would be open to doing more things like this. Absolutely. For sure. I think I'm still in that. I mean, I've totally completely accepted that this is the way that things are going to be for a little while or for a long right. while, um, for however long they need to go on until mm-hmm. we can be safe again. Right. Um, but it's not a huge concern of mine right now. Okay. I think I'm more focused on the, now that I've got this sweet home set up that I can do more like voiceover <laughs> stuff right. uh, for, for me. Um, and I'm interested, I don't know. I don't really know what the right answer is if there is a right answer. I'm interested is. in it and I'm also sort of like aloof about it. Right. It's, I mean, I'm sorry, your cat is so distracting right now. But oh, I I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's great. What is, what is said cat's name? Uh, that's Deville. Okay. She is my Norwegian forest cat, and that is her throne. That is the bed. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say, like, is it looks like it's your bed. It's 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 my bed. We could call it my bed, but like <laughs> she she mostly is there all the time. She was very active this morning, which is not typical for her. So she's now. I think it's nap time. She's like, all right, we're gonna rest up. That's fair. yeah. Is that is that your only cat? Do you have another cat? No, I have another. I'll, I'll okay. you. Be like, here we go. We're going on an adventure. Hello. I have to do some editing because I just dropped my mic. No, you're perfectly fine. Where are you? That's Evie. <laughs> okay. She's my other cat, and she is not interested. In <laughs> she, she likes the chair. That's so. great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a big yawn. That was a big cat yawn. Yeah. Oh my god. So those are my babies. That's cute. That's exactly, that's kind of what we needed to dive, to like take away from the serious heavy topic that we were on, I think. <laughs> it's how gorgeous my cat is. Yes. Yeah, she is beautiful. Is. She's very, very beautiful. I do have to say I'm shocked that neither of your cats are named after Prince because as I was looking at your Instagram, I was like, Tess really likes Prince. Like, holy Oh yeah, dude. Man. Prince what is I, the love of my life. What is that about? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, I'm not saying um, that I don't like Prince out loud, but what I'm saying is you got to explain that to me a little bit. Okay, so um, I had always like known about Prince mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Yeah, but only like the hits, right? Yeah. So I remember it was we went on a trip to Nashville for Thanksgiving to visit my cousins mm-hmm. and we always did the black Friday thing where we went to the mall, like okay. crazy people. And I went to the media play and throwback. What up media play? <laughs> um, so <laughs> a fossil, an actual fossil. Um, and I bought, I had also seen like a, like a VH one, like countdown of like, like really hot songs or whatever, yeah. like really sexy songs. And there was a, a clip that they played of Prince performing at the VMAs where he wore those assless chaps. Yes. And I was like, interesting. What's that about? 
You're like, so, you're at the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you're not wrong. So, so go to the media play and I bought um, a Prince greatest hits CD. I thought you were going to say like a poster of Prince and the assless jabs. No, no, that's no, that I, I haven't been able to find one of those. Honestly, I know oh, the okay. internet exists, but like if I cut my hands on one, it will be on my wall. Yeah, um, that's fair. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I, I remember listening to that CD mm-hmm. um, in the hotel room that we were staying in mm-hmm. and like, this is not, this is not to sound cliche at all. This is like literally what happened to me. It's like, do you ever have an experience where you feel like viscerally changed? Like a lot of people have that, you know, when you see like a really amazing play, like you're yeah. like, that has changed me. My experience, yes. my like paradigm has shifted. Mm-hmm. That is how I felt when I listened to that CD. Really? And I was like, what have I not been hearing <laughs> my whole life? Yeah. So like, you know, the rest of the trip, my parents were like, take your headphones off. I'm like, no, fuck you. I'm listening to Prince. Like, and I got back to Cincinnati and got the Purple Rain like soundtrack mm-hmm. and sat at my desk and listened to the whole thing like four or five times. And I was like, this is the most important thing I've ever heard in my life. It changed my life. And like, I, I have a, I have a obsessive personality. And so like when I like something, I barnacle onto it like hardcore until okay. I am finished until I've like, sucked at dry basically okay. i guess from and and that is just i mean prince's catalog is so huge there's mm-hmm. so much stuff um and that music really like shaped me as a person um i was just like immediately obsessed you know had to couldn't get enough like couldn't get my hands on enough content right um videos music um I, my parents like actually like forbade me from checking out Purple Rain at the library. Like they were like, you can't check this out anymore. You have to like do something else with your life. <laughs> and I was like, no, why would I do that? I mean, I did the same thing with Harry Potter. Like my mom took them away from me. She was like, you really? need to do something else. And I was like, no, why would I do that? Yeah. So, um, so that's, that's Prince and like, and, and, and Prince. Oh my and, gosh. <laughs> and I've got um, a those, like, vintage pops? Purple Rain poster that my freshman English teacher gave me. I've got his concert t-shirts. I've got like magazines. I've got like, I had a drawer. I love Prince. Prince. I could talk about Prince all day. Prince is a genius. Prince like changed culture. He changed music. He changed fashion. He, he was androgynous and like so fucking hot at the same time. Like Mm -hmm. it didn't matter. You know, he, there is nobody like him ever. Like, and I don't think there ever will be again. Like you can try, but you're never going to touch it because he was a genius. At one point, he was just a symbol, right? Like his name Correct. literally just changed his name. To I have it symbol. tattooed on my leg. Do you really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I yeah. had no idea. See, this is what happens when I'm trying to find information about you for like interviewing and talking about like your career. I'm like, <laughs> this is this is like every third picture, I could swear it's like something yeah. about Prince. Prince, yeah. Purple Prince. And I saw Prince when I was 14. My dad oh, took wow. me to his musicology concert. It was like, one of the best nights of my life like you know I, I mean he's dead now like if I if I right. hadn't gone to that concert like when would I have ever you know I was 14 exactly like, losing my mind it was great man is this is this that kind of like because uh, this feels like you're even clawing your way to the top of like I'm the number one Prince fan like I oh I no more than everybody else. Like, <laughs> no I, I mean I've got 
I've got friends who are bigger fans than me. Like my friend Derek Snow, mm-hmm. he he knows a lot more. We went to a Symphonic Prince concert. Actually, it's funny. He texted me a picture of his ticket stub from that earlier today. But like I've got, I know a couple of people who are bigger fans than I am. And like mm-hmm. my friend James, um, who used to work for Since He Shakes, he, that was like how our friendship started is he was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm really into Prince. And I was like, bitch, we need to get a drink. So, but he's, James like has, you know, acquired like rare recordings for me like it's it's sort of like a give love spread love like everybody here here take from my mary poppins bag and you can take from you know you can take from mine like that right yeah that's great yeah that's i know way less about prince than uh probably most people so i feel bad i just read his biography uh the beautiful ones that he like started writing and then he died um and it is amazing like it's really really cool um Did they've they got it unfinished it's unfinished yeah um so he wrote like 30 pages yeah of like legal pad stuff they scanned it and put it in the book oh, wow. um and then i tried to read that <laughs> and then i like got to the end of the chapter i was like man i'm having a hard time but like i'm gonna figure it out and then they had typed it all out of course and you're like i was like it. of course yeah but it was you know it's it's fascinating like he was so funny and like you know, he's describing his life mm-hmm. before you even get to, you know, any sort of, it gets like right up to where he got his first record deal. Mm-hmm. Like, and, then, and after that, I mean, it's just like, it's just a phenomenon after that. Right. Like, I, don't, I don't, yeah, we could, we could talk about this for the rest of the time. So I'm going to let you ask me more questions. But. That's, that's probably, I appreciate you and your appreciation <laughs> for Prince, but also <laughs> if we're going to just sit on the Prince well, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna run dry on that because like my yeah, knowledge is fine. like purple rain <laughs> and then silence like that's yeah, all I got that's um, fair but since we're talking about the the one thing I you know transitions are hard but the one mm-hmm. thing I do know is purple rain was also a movie yes yes transitioning see how I'm doing this you're yes when did you start pursuing film and was um, it because of purple rain no it was not um i so kind of by accident honestly um so lynn myers who runs as the artistic director of ensemble theater cincinnati is also Mm -hmm. a casting director yes and in the last like six or seven years more and more films have been made in the cincinnati area Mm -hmm. um there's like a huge tax break that you can get for making films in ohio Mm -hmm. um i have watched a particular interview with Emilio Estevez of Mighty Ducks claimed mm-hmm. fame and Breakfast Club yes. lest we forget I was gonna say um, Ducks? Like, I mean it's just like you know the Mighty Ducks whatever Quack. that's fair but um Quack. You're like, he, I, uh, Ducks, as much as I love Prince <laughs> yeah <laughs> um the he was like yeah you know you can the architecture here whatever you can travel 20 minutes and be on a farmland anyway mm-hmm. Lynn was getting calls to pull from her pool of talent mm-hmm. um for some films mm-hmm. and ben renan who was her assistant at the time uh asked me to come in and read for this inconceivable mm-hmm. film they had me read for something completely separate from what i ended up actually getting cast as but um i didn't really think anything of it i was like okay i'll come in and do this i have no idea what i'm doing like right and it was weird and scary. And then they called me back 
for the role that I ended up being cast in. Um, and did a couple more callbacks, got that part. Right. So that was, that's how that started. And I, I have never like, honestly, like sought those things out. Like Extremely Wicked was also another fluke. Lynn called me in and was like, I think you should read for this. And I was like, okay. And I went to the audition or I did the tape and then I went to the callback mm-hmm. and there were all the, you know, the great thing about it is like, you know, pretty much everybody in the room. Right. Um, and we were all there for different things. And so it was like, okay, cool. I don't have to stress out about this. And, mm-hmm. you know, the producer was in the callback room and it was like, he's a big deal, but I had no idea who he was. The director right. was in there and I was like, I don't know who you are. And I was like, like, Oh shit, you want an face. Oscar? Like whatever. Like, you know, <laughs> like uh, not to be like, not to, not to like, I just didn't, and I thought it went well. Like that's all, that's all that was. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the the wildfire thing was created by the people who worked on the crew of Extremely Wicked. Right. So like, and I spent a lot of time with them because you spend a lot of time sitting around. Like, <laughs> film is a lot. Of, hurry up and wait. Like, yeah. So, and they were all really nice, and mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'll do this project for experience. And why not? Yeah, and it comes up. Like, yeah. I, and also, I think that's you. You touched on it, and I think it ties in here. The concept of like work hard, like that's half of the battle in the industry mm-hmm. is actually put in the fucking work, mm-hmm. because the people who don't succeed or end up switching careers tend to be the ones who are like, I can't take the amount of work that it takes to do this job. Because it looks like it's easy because the end product, you don't see the rehearsals, you just see the end product. Yeah. And so I think, and then the more, the harder you work, the more networking opportunities you get. I think that you're the perfect like case study of that, where it's like the people that you know are also going to then help you along the way. Yeah. I do think that it I would be remiss if I didn't ask because people listening probably want to know because you're working on extremely wicked, shockingly evil and vile. Mm-hmm. And that's about Ted. Uh, it's about Ted, Ted Bundy. Bundy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was a controversial film in a couple different ways. And then a couple different to a couple different groups of people, mm-hmm. but then also you have Zach Efron's in the starring role and, you know, feedback was kind of all over the board, depending on how you feel about, roles that portray like or films that portray serial killers and whatnot um or just in general criminals what was your take not only working on that film and but but also what was your experience and then sitting next to fucking troy bolton like how did you how do you handle those sorts of things because that's a face you walk in the room and you're like oh i know you like i can't ignore the fact that i'm aware of who you are Mm-hmm. So tell me about that experience just in general. Um, it was a great experience. Uh, great I was on set for five days. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Inconceivable, I was on set for one night. Right. Um, you were basically a day player on that? Is that... Basically, yeah. Okay. Um, and, and so my experience was excellent from communication with the second AD, Ian Campbell, to the costume ladies um who i'm blanking on their names are but they were remarkable remarkable Mm -hmm. people um the the crew victoria um jake you know 
all of those folks who were, and Jamie um, and Jody, the people who were doing my hair, Samantha, like everyone was really, really, I can see why movie stars can be billed as divas. And okay. I've told uh, David this a couple of times. David is a guy who worked on um, this in the production crew and then recruited me for wildfire. Mm -hmm. um, is that like, the like amount of level that I would consider myself to have been pampered yeah, um, was almost like to the extreme where I was like, I can walk a half a block to get to the set. You know, you don't have to pick me up in a van. I don't know if that was like a union thing. <laughs> right. I'm not SAG. I don't know, whatever. It was, it was like, you, can I get you breakfast? Are you thirsty? Do you want a LaCroix? Like, <laughs> like I'm good. I, I got, you know, I, I just don't want to get yelled at, basically. Like, You're I like, want to know my lines, and I don't want to get yelled at, and I want to make sure that I can do repeatable actions right. between each take, um, which is, like, all I do. So the experience was great. Um, Michael Werwey, who was a screenplay a screenwriter, was on set. He was really, really supportive. Um, mm -hmm. The, you know, they were making a lot of changes um, to the script, you know, as we were, even in those five days. Okay. Um, and so, you know, People were people have to be flexible. Um, I thought the experience overall was really a great learning experience. Um, it was humbling. Um, people who work on crews on a film are really don't get you know enough credit. Like the amount of work that they do, you know, for continuity, for setup, for mm -hmm. you know consistency. Like as an actor, at least what I was doing was easy right. um i did a lot of research before the film because i didn't want to come in and have them talking to me about shit i had no idea you know i was playing a real person right so it was like okay i need to figure out as much as i can figure out um zach efron is very nice he's a very nice guy um and the first like thing that i shot uh because of course you don't shoot in order right. um, of a script typically um was like a jail cell scene mm -hmm. and he was like oh hey what's up i'm zach and i was like oh hey i'm tess but like the whole thing about that is right like i need to be professional i didn't really know shit about high school musical anyway i didn't really watch it i had watched um his some of his other movies and right. i think he's an underrated actor mm -hmm. um he worked really 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 fucking hard um, and that was really obvious. Mm -hmm. um, he was very committed. Um, and Kaya, who was playing Carol Ann, was mm -hmm. also really nice. I had no idea that she was like a famous person. Right. Um, because she ate dinner with us every night. Oh, really? And yeah. like, that was really nice. Jim Parsons was a really nice guy. He yeah. ate dinner with us every night. And he was like, you know, he was like, let's talk shop about theater. And I was like, oh, lol, like what? You're like, and, please and thank you. <laughs> yeah, he was a nice, you know, they were nice people. Um, and I think m maybe, I mean, the thing about Ted Bundy, right, is that he was romanticized mm -hmm. by, by the press, by people. Um, he was charming, which right. is a, stereotypical trait of sociopaths who right. can compartmentalize their lack of emotions yeah. and like fake it really well and you know he worked at a suicide prevention hotline when mm -hmm. he was young so he like 
was a grotesque murderer, but also like talked people off the edge. I'm not justifying him at all, but just right. seeing that, like, the contradictions of him as a person are fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the intent of the movie was for it to be from Liz's perspective, his girlfriend's perspective. Right. Um, I don't know how well that came across uh, <laughs> in the final cut. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do know that at least from my like short experience of time, like sitting at a table with Brian Garrity and Zac Efron is that mm. they were professionals and they were like, this is, you know, this is how this would legality would break down. This is the emotion, like, you know, looking at like emotional, like breakdown right. on a side. It was really interesting. I think people take, I mean, he was a Disney star, but like right. he obviously wants, it is a serious actor. And there were mm-hmm. moments where like we would be doing um, little ad libs that the director would tell us to do. Mm-hmm. And he would like look, you know, we'd be like sort of like fake arguing or whatever. And he would look over at me and I'd be like, oh shit, oh my God. Like it was scary. He really yeah. did become like, like sitting next to him sometimes when he was like, it, when we were like filming, it was like almost too much. It was like, I can't, the, the energy you're like putting off right now mm-hmm. is like palpable, scary. If this were a live play, people would be experiencing, you know, you see it through the, through the screen, right. but also like, in person, like if we were doing that as a play, I think it would be, you know, visible. It was, it was right. palpable. It was something that was like, okay, I need to like step out of the room and take a break. Yeah, I need to uh, get away from you and this energy, not because I dislike you as a person, but yeah, you are so committed to this role. Yeah, we need to just get out of it. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, he was he was a nice guy, and that like mm-hmm. if those kind, there was like one time where he like sort of like snapped at me in the in a take, and then mm-hmm. after that he was like, oh. I'm, are you good? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> no, but we're okay. <laughs> yeah, we're okay. Like he was a nice guy. Um, and everybody that worked on that movie worked really, really hard. So mm-hmm. I, I had a nice learning experience there. Right. Did, was there anything in particular that you're like, oh, I'm taking this away for sure. Like there was, was there any specific instance that you were like this, this is a really important piece of information that I didn't have before. Uh, as far as like facts from the script or like as performance wise uh, performance wise really industry wise too mm-hmm. um well i think the biggest tip that carries over is to be nice mm-hmm. um <laughs> yes. kindness goes a long way mm-hmm. um it's i think it's helpful if you know your text right i think i don't know if this still exists but it, i was under sort of an assumption that because you can go back and edit, you mm-hmm. know, that like these flubs and things like are more acceptable. Um, I barely had anything to say, so that wasn't like a big deal for me. Right. But uh, the difference in watching Jim Parsons who knew every single line mm-hmm. and had obviously done his own practice like if that was possible, I mean, it's a courtroom drama. So like, that's possible for him. It's not like an action movie or whatever, but he had obviously done the work the night before Mm -hmm. or even before that. It was very, very obvious. Mm -hmm. And that I think gives confidence. Right. Because the camera picks up everything. So practice. Okay. That's fair. I mean, 
I know that I was I played a very small part in a very independent film that nobody's seen at one point. Um, but when I watched myself back, I was mm-hmm. like, ugh. <laughs> and so I'm curious when you watch yourself back in these film sequences that you're a part of, and I can't, I still can't decide if I was like, Oh, because I was like, that was bad, but it was my first go around. So whatever. Or if it was bad because I was putting too much theater as opposed to like film technique into it. When you watch yourself, how do you feel? Uh, uh. <laughs> okay. So yeah. I did not, normal. I did not like it. Um, my, my roommate and I watched the movie together when it came out on Netflix and mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I find it difficult to not be Mm -hmm. self-critical. I was like, why didn't somebody tell me to fix my face? Like my (laughs) facial, I thought my facial expressions were huge. And like, I swear to God, Sawyer, I thought I was like literally like doing nothing. Like I was sitting and I was like, okay, I I want to react to this. So maybe I'll just be like, you know, just lift my eye, my eyelids a centimeter, Mm -hmm. but it looks huge. I didn't, I was not happy with it, but Yeah. When did that then, is that, is that a consistency? Cause you then do wildfire and you do this episode uh, in that series. Was that consistent then when you watched that episode back or was it just like maybe just your first real go around of like you had obviously other credits, but like your mm-hmm. first big, like here's a scene that I'm definitely in and you're watching me. Like, yeah, I, I think I felt, I was nervous about wildfire for, mm-hmm the same reasons okay. um was very very nervous more nervous about wildfire because i was like okay i know these lines are gonna happen <laughs> like i know i know that like this shot is gonna be in this episode right. and um i still didn't really feel like i knew what i was doing mm-hmm. so I-, I think watching I- i've watched that episode of wildfire a couple of times just to to for, for various reasons but to to see what habits need to be corrected Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I've, I did a better job in wildfire, um, with some subtleties, but I was probably more nervous for wildfire than I was for extremely wicked. Interesting. Is it because you just had more, you had more content that you were like, this is in there that I, I can't stop it from being there. Yeah, I was I was nervous about that. I was nervous about my lines, right? Um, because it's kind of a sci-fi esque episode, and so mm-hmm. I was like, I don't really. I was having trouble like sort of connecting my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and James Bailey, who wrote and directed the episode, and David James, who was in the episode with me, they were just so great, like mm-hmm. so you know, so chill, um, and. I you know, I was like on high on adrenaline. I was like, I'm going to mm-hmm. fuck this up. Like they're not going to be able, they're going to have to reshoot this. Like this is going to suck. And then James would be like, I think that's good. Like we can move on. And I was like, for real? Like, no, like, are you sure? Are you sure you don't um, want to recast me? Yeah. Like, are you <laughs> sure about this guys? Like, I don't know. Um, but I think, you know, also that's like something that to, to be worked on. I, I think it's prevalent in a lot of performance artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only speak for myself, but that, that, you know, self-doubt, um, like lack of confidence. I do talk a big talk. Um, and I mean what I say, mm-hmm. um, but the like self-doubt is, is difficult. Um, and, in our business, you know, you know, we face a lot of potential rejection. Right. Um, 
and like having to have that availability to easily access your empathy and emotions while at the same time saying, this is the business I got to move on from mm -hmm. something that maybe you were desperately attached to, uh, casting you were attached to, projects you were working on, um, the belief that I can, I am good, I have done this work, I have to trust that I did all that, I did, I'm, I'm theatrically fit, right. I did all the workouts, I work out all the time, I know what I'm doing, right. like, you know, <laughs> it, it's, it's difficult. It can be difficult. Um, 2019 was like the best professional year of my life. Mm -hmm. And the year before that, I think I had like maybe one project. Really? And I was so in the gutter about it. I was like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not successful. I don't have anything going on for me right now. Um, there are so many things that I want that I'm not getting. And, you know, it's feast or famine. Right. Sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, before we get to, because I always end the podcast with two questions, but before we get to that, I have to ask, what's been your favorite project of your career thus far? I know I'm oh, just asking you to single something <laughs> out and be like this. My favorite project. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. I got I. You know, Venus and Fur was a was a real passion project for me. Mm -hmm. um, I did not produce that myself, but right. you know, that was something that I was like, I I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend whatever money I need to spend to make it happen. Um, you know, that project we rehearsed for so long mm -hmm. for nine performances. And I would do that show with Brandon Burton again in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. I would love to redo it. I would love another shot at it. I think, I don't think my like time with that script is over. Um, as you know, with a couple of years distance from it, coming at it with more insight, especially with the current climate of Me Too and, and right. politics and, and all that. I think the script is even more, you know, important now. Right. Um, but I felt so good doing that show. Like I felt really safe. I think we mm -hmm. did a damn good job um, with the little shoestring, basically dental floss budget that we had. <laughs> right. I mean, we, we had basically nothing and it was really a, a labor for Brandon and I of our skills. Mm -hmm. And we had a strong director with Greg Procaccino uh, who really you know took no shit and pushed us and uh i think that that project is probably because it was so intimate really important to me but i think right. ada and the engine ties it for a second okay yeah okay why, why does that why does ada and the engine tie it i gotta ask um <laughs> everything about ada and the engine was beautiful mm -hmm. um i don't know shit about math, but like, I love, I, you know, I love, I loved the process of putting that, but I think the script is, is brilliant. Um, you know, you don't have to know anything about math to be enthusiastic about, you know, something that you love. Right. Um, like the, the music that Carrie uh, put together with James Allen and, and Andrew Hungerford's direction, uh, he just understood every single facet of that play. Mm -hmm. I felt 
I think these come down to instances, and this is, these are not the only two productions where I felt this way, but those two experiences um, back to back really were like so glorious. I just felt so strong, like, mm -hmm. and, and everyone around me was magnificent. Um, I've certainly had other experiences like that, but those two were really sort of like a high, you know, it was yeah. like when those shows were over, it was like, <laughs> what do I, what am I going to do now? You know, I had other right. things to work on, but it was like, man, I'm not ready to let that go yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's completely fair. Yeah. So I gotta, I gotta ask just because mm -hmm. this is how I close it out now. Um, mm -hmm. Two questions. Okay. The first is if you could go back to the beginning of all this and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? relax <laughs> okay all right that's good and no i have to, because because we've covered so much ground when i said the beginning of all this did you take yourself mm -hmm. back to fourth grade did you take yourself back to high school where, where did you take like where would you look at yourself and go relax <laughs> uh I, I would go back to fourth grade Okay. I'd shoot it back to 1999 and be like, relax, <laughs> relax. Just, just fucking relax. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That's the biggest note. I still get it. Relax. Okay. <laughs> relax. Like, you know, the world's not going to end. Right. You make the wrong choice. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a good note. Um, in, so then let's, let's close it out here. Five mm -hmm. years from now, five years down the road. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to be? What do you want to be doing? How, where do you see yourself? Mm. Or what do you want to have done by then? That's another like kind of ooh, approach to ooh, that question. Juicy. Yeah. Um, in five years, mm -hmm. I don't know where I'll be. Okay. Uh, I really, I really, uh, don't care where I am as long as I have a strong like friend base mm -hmm. support base wherever I'm at mm -hmm. um I I want to be uh, I feel like this is a cop-out but like <laughs> I would like I would like my career to continue the way that it has been okay. I, I in five years I'd like to be consistently working in a regional market mm -hmm. and making money doing plays mm -hmm. and finding joy and community with my people, whoever, wherever I'm working. That's what I want to be doing. If there are larger projects on the horizon, I would certainly not shun them. Right. Um, but I, I think I want to be in a, in a regional place and I want to be, um, not settling but comfortable. Mm -hmm. I will be. I will be. will be. Manifest. Manifest. Manifest the comfort of, of doing good work. I'd love to do, I'd love to do a King Lear in five years. Okay. But, uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> exactly. We will see if we get back we'll to see. the theater. But. We'll oh. see. Well, I mean, Tess, I've said it before, but you're really damn good at what you do. And so I think you'll, 
get to that point. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to send you this and see what you say in five years. But thanks for coming on. I really appreciate having you. Thank you so much, Sawyer. I appreciate yeah, it. It was fun. To.